Is prayer illegal at Virginia school board meetings? Some school officials seem to think so. Plus, some big wins on the pro-life front from the federal courts. We're going to discuss this and more. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. All right, before we get started today, Victoria, have you heard about this pay-by-palm method being introduced by Amazon? Yeah, and I think it's really creepy, actually. <laughs> I have heard about it. I have not used it. Don't know if I ever want to. But yes, this whole idea that you don't have to have a credit card. Um, let me just start by saying, are we actually that lazy that we can't pull out a credit card anymore? You know, we've got remote entry key card stuff. And I sit, there and think, I sit there and think, really, like we have to just show our palm because... Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. It'd be too much. Well, you know, I do kind of shuffle through the. Yeah, it's a pain. You know, I'm not going to say it takes it takes an extra five seconds. But think about how it used to be. I mean, registers are fast. Right. You can self check out. You can. I don't know. I feel like we're taking it far. Good point. Um, apparently, how this works is you can hover your palm over the scanner, and it will read your unique biometric data, like the lines on your hands, the underlying vein patterns, and. I think what has everybody freaked out is, one, this gets stored on the cloud somewhere. Yes. Um, two, of course, people are thinking about references into the, you know, in the Bible yes. where it talks about people being controlled economically by things. I don't think we're sure exactly what it is on the, on the palm and on the forehead. Yeah. So that's obviously coming into everybody's mind in the Christian rule. Yeah. So there's some anxiety around this. No, I think it's fair. I, I, I feel like you can see how that would, how we head in that direction because it's all in the name of security, right? Because your palm is your original. You know, people can get your credit card. They can, you know, they can fake your identity, but it is hard to fake your palm. But the more of these unique identifiers that we turn over to government or private businesses the less when things go south, when you have a government that gets out of control, when you have businesses that want to harm you, you have very little way to protect yourself. If you've yeah. given, I mean, this is a debate in the airports when, you know, the OptiScan, you know, where you can do your eyeballs and then you go through right. faster. I'm like, isn't TSA pre-check pretty fast? I feel like it is. I use, and I yeah. don't have to give them anything other than my, you know, my data and my background check. So I, I just don't feel good about these identifiers that no one else in the world will have turning them over, especially, it's funny, I always thought this would be government, right? When you right. read the Bible, I always thought, it's going to be a big, bad government that takes all your private identifiers and then, you you know, creates an economic thing out of it. But no, we're actually starting with private companies, which I think is very surprising to me. That's not how I envisioned it going down 30 years ago or yeah. whatever. I mean, they are taking us down this slippery slope. I will confess, I do open my phone with my face. Now, you said you draw I do not use. I do not use Face ID. I like my identifiers being mine. So you stick the number in. Yes, I stick the number in. Am I lame? You can call me lame. My kids would go, boomer. Like, you know, I mean, it's, but it, it, it is. It does, it, there's a certain amount of, I need to protect at least a little something of me that no one has and it, yeah you know your face is important I, yeah. I feel like yeah I feel like it is and and I did you know in the in one of the airports I went through they had a just literally you plug your credit card in at the beginning you walk the store grab anything you want walk right back out mm. I loved that that was super fast but yeah. it was still my credit card it wasn't my palm and I think that's a great happy medium yeah. I mean yes you're still but you don't have to check each item I didn't scan anything yeah that was great let's do that well, I got to say, Amazon Prime has this thing figured out because I have discovered, and I'm probably behind on this, but I have discovered that when I order something off of Amazon and I do uh, Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Prime Amazon is now a word, Amazon. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, 
if I do a return, they make it super easy. I can, I oh, can go in Kohl's. It's the easiest thing in the it's world. It's so efficient. And then when I do it, I get a discount. I was going to oh. tell you. And the mom and me wants to tell you that then you get a 20% off so coupon or something for Kohl's that day. I have figured this out. And I'm my sure husband is not very happy that I right. figured this out. Right. So... I haven't scary. told mine. He hasn't <laughs> caught on yet, I don't think. Yeah, because I actually look forward to when I go and return something. <laughs> right. So the scary thing about this is is that they're kind of doing the same benefits with the Palm Wave. Oh, really? Yeah. Like what it's kind all, of benefits? I don't think I'm like So it'll part. be connected to your credit card, to your Amazon information. So Prime users will have special benefits oh, when they See, do this. We, they incentivize us I turning mean, over all of yeah. our personal identification. Yeah, that just feels creepy to me. That feels a step beyond where we need to be. Let's say you're grabbing your favorite coffee beverage, or heading into the office, or checking out. Just hover your palm and you're on your way. It's as easy as that. Sign up is free and takes less than a minute. All you need is a credit card, your phone number, and your palm. That's it. Since your palm is unique and can't be lost or misplaced, you can get things done quickly and securely. Well, this is clearly on its way because they say this Palm system is already in 200 locations in 20 states. And by the end of the year, it's going to be in 500 locations connected with Amazon like Whole Foods. But it's also expanding to other stores like Panera Bread. Uh, I think the Hudson nonstop store in airports. the airports. Yeah. Love, I, I know the Dallas one has <laughs> is getting that. And then. Uh, also, it may already be in Coors Field Stadium in Colorado just to help them monitor the drinking age situation. So this is clearly, it's coming, it's here already. I mean, I guess I appreciate the use of the drinking age thing as you say that. That is a helpful use of it. But maybe there'll just be so much kickback, actually, that people, that it won't happen. But if it does, you're going to find me at the local farmer's market, like literally paying cash for, for food because I don't want to turn over my palm. Okay, I'm with you on the palm thing. You know, I, I know I'm doing the face thing on my phone, but the palm thing is just a little too creepy for me. So we'll be in the future. We'll be those little w women that are holding up the, the, the Holding up the line, line with like yeah, pulling out all their stuff. coins. Yeah. That's going to be us. Oh, man. My kids will be so ashamed. All right. Well, I wanted to mix it up a little bit this week. We are going to do our inconceivable at the beginning of the show instead of at the end, mainly because I just couldn't wait to talk about it. All right, so let me just start by explaining how I found out about this week's Inconceivable, and that is one of our team members on our Speak Up Newport News team, which includes the Peninsula area, because we have these Speak Up teams across the state, and this member on this one went to her school board meeting in Suffolk um, just a few days ago and witnessed this incident and then sent me an email that said, is prayer now legal at school board meetings? So let me just... Stop for a minute. Let's just officially launch our inconceivable segment, and then we'll come back. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! So as I was saying, this week's Inconceivable involves this incident that we discovered by watching the school board tape 
happened at the Suffolk School Board meeting. Did, did you get a chance to really watch this? I did. And, you know, let me just set some context for everybody. And we've talked about this before. All across Virginia right now, people are going to their school boards and asking their school boards to align their model guidelines for transgender students in public schools with the new Governor Yunkin guidelines. And so that was the context. This concerned citizen, Angela Kilgore, got up to give public comment about the need for accountability and the need for transparency to parents, because that's a big part of the guidelines is, you know, let's tell parents this is going on, right? So towards the end of her allotted time period, she asked if she could pray for their public schools, like with the community, pray for the community with the, you know, about the students. And um, basically, she just said, I feel like that's the only way this community is going to get through this is with the help of God. And then, of course, what happens next is just outrageous. Yeah. First, the chair of the school board, Mr. Tyrone Riddick, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, just completely cuts her off and tells her she can't pray. And then, of course, she kind of questions this. She says, wait, I, I can't say a prayer is part of my comment. And he very firmly responded, prayer is not permitted. It was very stern. Um, but, you know, she was very respectful in her response. And she just kind of turned to the audience and said, well, if anyone wants to join me outside, you know, we can pray afterward. Um, but the audience decided, no, this is not the end of this. And they, they all stood up and started saying the Lord's Prayer spontaneously. Yeah, that's the craziest part. You can see basically in this video that we're about to play in just a minute, you know, that these people all start saying the Lord's Prayer. And I think it was really heartening to see. Like, I mean, it just is a great thing to kind of see. I mean, because it, it was very spontaneous. It was sort of like, okay, you can't pray. We're going to pray, um, which I just think is very cool. But what happens next is just it's just stunning because the school board chair then proceeds to tell the police to actually clear out the room. Like there's some kind of major offense, major problem happening within their thing. And so basically he calls for a recess for the entire school board. And then they actually stop the whole meeting because there's a prayer going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I can say is I guess some people are really afraid of one prayer because it felt like they were treating this one prayer like the equivalent of, of a, a weapon threat. You know, we got to clear the room. Everybody get out. Right, right. There's, <laughs> There's a bomb. It's prayer. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of wild. But people have really got to see this for themselves. So we're just going to play the video clip of that happening. I will mention for those of you on the audio only version, you'll want to make some time to just check out our YouTube version because it's it's really something to see the people stand up and say the Lord's Prayer and then see the police going out there to try to clear them. So I would like to ask, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to pray for Suffolk Public Schools with all of you. If you'd like to take a moment, bow your heads, please. Anybody? Anybody object? I apologize. We can't do that. Why can't we? Meeting. I like to pray for our students in our school. That's not in what you signed up to do, ma'am. Well, it's in regards to all of this. It's a transparency, accountability. I'm praying that we do do that. Ma'am, no, ma'am. We ask that you get back to onto your topic. No one. That is stopping. my topic, sir. Well, then it's not permitted at this time. To pray for our schools is not permitted. That's correct. Okay. Yes. So now each of you hear this. If anybody would like to pray with me after the meeting outside, I'd invite you because I think that that's the only way that we're going to come together is through God and our faith and, and those who are doing this, working for children for under, uh, any other reason, should I ask that God puts them under conviction. Have a good evening and thank you all. Be blessed.
Thank you. Um, I do want to clarify. I don't object to prayer. I believe that we should, man should always pray. I mean, I love prayer, but this is not the place per the law. Um, and we're going to ask Attorney Waller if you could speak to it. Our Father, who art in heaven, At this time, we're going to go to recess. Ask the officers to remove <laughs> Officers, during recess, can you um, clear the room? All right, well, first of all, the police did not look overly eager to try to clamp down on a bunch of Christian moms saying the Lord's Prayer. No, I think they, would, they, I think they were caught off guard. Yeah. I think they were sort of like, what just happened here and why are we, this isn't our normal protocol. And yeah. so I thought that was great that they almost seemed, um, they, they knew how weird it was. I mean, that's the funny part about the whole reaction in the room is very clear, like, no, you're, you're off base, buddy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, what do you make in general of this? trend we are seeing of government officials to clamp down on what, you know, traditionally has and should be seen as a pretty basic First Amendment right to express your faith in public. We have just gotten so far afield from where our nation started with these meetings being intentionally led in prayer by people in authority, right? So think about where we started and think about where we are now. And there's just this level of hostility coming from government towards people of faith. And, and they keep forgetting, no, 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 people in their individual capacity can exercise their faith. And so, and in particular, um, you know, people can generally say what they want in school boards when there's a public comment period that is designed for the public to comment. There's generally openness with that. And the idea that he, you know, then kind of gets up and sort of says, well, we can't let you pray because then there might be a Satanist that comes. That, you can't, you yeah. can't do that. That's totally unconstitutional. Like, we don't want to hear this other viewpoint, so you can't give your viewpoint. Which is viewpoint discrimination by all accounts. And we're going to play him saying that a little bit later because oh. he came back and said that. Right. But that was his general justification. Yes, it's completely yeah. off base. And so, but I think that they've just been threatened by the ACLU. They get these letters from um, this organization called Separation of Church and State, and they just get the law wrong and yeah. they lose track of this is the public during the public portion of the meeting. Yeah. So maybe people like the school board chair might be, you know, have misinformation or be misguided right. um, because he did say, you know, I love prayer. Right. But, you know, it's it's just not in per permitted in this situation by law was kind of basically yes. what he was saying. Um, and so he seems to be under this impression that prayer is only allowed in private places. Yeah, and right? he turns to the attorney, and you don't really hear the attorney. So I don't know if the attorney said anything. But I, think, I think you can hear him. He's, uh, what does he say? He did say to clear the room. Okay. I just, I mean, it's just so bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. And I, I almost wonder if the attorneys had clear the room to be like, I got to go straighten you out on the law because the guy's not right. No. It was clear he was saying clear the room because they were saying the Lord's Prayer. So, I mean, the chairman, but I mean, the lawyer has no, got to be sitting there thinking, what do I do about this? But the, the concern with them being misguided is that there, like you said, there are groups out there that they, they might just be more innocent in it, but the groups advising them a lot of times, like the ACLU, they have an agenda There's an to agenda. eradicate expression and you just wonder what harm is going to be done now i mean for those that are those of us that are believers there's power in the name of jesus and i yeah. i just can't help i can't help thinking like the people are so afraid of prayer they can't even tolerate listening to someone else pray they don't have to be part of it they didn't they weren't required to be 
you know, to bow their heads. They don't they didn't have to pick up a new religion just to stand there and listen to her comments. Yeah. I, I kind of want to camp out a little bit about this insinuation he was making that it's only allowed in private. Help us understand how that's different from what the founding fathers fought for. I, I don't think they were fighting for and risking their lives for religious freedom so we could just pray in our closets. That's exactly right? right. So we have a constitution. We have documents that talk about the exercise of religion. Exercise of religion is not the same thing as a private right to worship. Right. Those are two different things. And there's been that move. It really started under President Obama, honestly. And so it's been moving in this direction for a while um, where it's this idea of not that we can be people of faith and bring our faith in the public square, but this idea that we have to be people of faith. That's fine. That's allowed as long as it's in our in our prayer closet, you know, like yeah. at home. We'll let your church be open on Sunday, but make sure nothing you believe from your church seeps out of those doors, mm -hmm. which is the exact opposite of go and go and spread the gospel or whatever your faith calls you to do. It is not how America was founded. We were founded to be a pluralistic society where people um, bring their faith into the public square. I mean, there were founders that said we wouldn't be able to survive as a representative democracy if people weren't immoral people. Well, where does yeah. morality come from? Usually from religion. Yeah. Well, let's take on his next argument or justification, and let's just play that clip from when they come back from the, the <laughs> recess, and he has this to say. I want to provide a point of information for all of our stakeholders who are in this room and who are watching at home and who may view later. What was witnessed tonight was and could be a violation of other person's rights. Once we constitute, we often forget that this country and the makeup this country has chosen to be built upon is that everybody has a right to choose their own religion. And if we allow a Christian prayer to proceed. What do we do if a Satanist was to come in and say, I want to pray as well? We have to respect everyone's rights. If we would have prayed at the poll as the citizens stated that they would do, pray outside, she would have been surprised. There may have been some board members who have come down to join. This is just absurd. I mean, it's just absurd. Our House and our Senate start every single session with prayer. And yes, they have a wide variety of prayers. Yeah. But they, this idea that it's going to turn into a whole bunch of Satanist prayers is ridiculous. Yeah, the House and the Senate invites people of different faith yes. traditions in. It's not been a huge problem. No, it has not been a huge problem over... We're the longest continuous <laughs> continuing meeting legislature in the Western Hemisphere. So like 400 years, yeah. this has been working pretty okay. Yeah, and I think that kind of points to the fallacy with using this specter of the Satanists and kind of that scare tactic. Because in my mind, that essentially becomes like a heckler's veto where they're using that to shut down valid expression, just raising a, a fear tactic. Well, if you do this, we're going to have other things come in that are horrible and bad. And I don't think as Christians, we have to live in fear like that. I, personally, I think as Christians, we should have this mindset that we believe boldly in the power of the gospel and biblical truth to compete in the, micro, uh, the, in the marketplace. marketplace. Yeah. Absolutely. 100% agree that we need to not overreact when people say things like that. And from our side, we need to just continue to do what we've been called to do, which is share our faith. And in this case, I think she had an earnest heart to pray for the yes. community, which I think is is just noteworthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could tell that from her speaking. Yeah. Um, but Victoria, if people run into this kind of thing in their communities, like this person that 
emailed us about this, what can they do? Yeah, reach out to our Founding Freedoms Law Center because they're the best ones to give you exactly what the law says about this and what you can do about it. And every day we're defending people whose religious freedoms are being taken away by governing authorities or employers mm -hmm. or you name it. And so um, I definitely encourage folks to reach out. Yeah, and I think they're actively looking into this case. Oh, so yeah, we'll yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, these, that's, the, that's the thing is sometimes we can fix it with a letter. Sometimes, you know, it might take a little bit more. But we want people to push back. It's important to push back because yeah. if you don't push back, people keep getting away with false statements about what, what, what our nation was actually founded to be and, yeah. and how you can act in public square. Yeah, that's how we lose our freedoms if we don't speak up. Well, I guess that means for today's Inconceivable Award, we are going to give it to the Suffolk City School Board. Because they treated one single prayer as the equivalent of a bomb threat that they had to clear the room for. You know, I just, I have to say, I did think about this isn't a glitter bomb, this is a prayer bomb. That <laughs> did go through my head. Yeah. I know it's cheesy. That's good. <laughs> but I get your point. Your point is well taken. <laughs> All right. Changing subjects here. We have some very important updates on the pro-life front. Uh, Victoria, tell us what's going on. Yeah, it's um, really exciting to give some good news for a change. First, we had a very encouraging decision from the U.S. Court of Appeals in the for the D.C. Circuit. Um, so what we had here was we had a unanimous 3-0 decision protecting the First Amendment rights of two pro-life organizations who were just simply um, chalking a pro-life message on a city sidewalk. Um, all the groups involved in this case are friends of ours, so it's, you know, it's Students for Life and it's Frederick Douglas Foundation, and they were represented by Alliance Defending Freedom. So all um, just fabulous organizations that um, won, a, won a big victory here. Yeah. And the Alliance Defending Freedom called this a major win for free speech. And I think when people hear the facts of this case, they are going to understand why they are saying that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know everybody can kind of remember back to 2020 during sort of tumultuous times, we'll call it, where there were thousands of protesters flooding the streets in many cities and certainly in D.C. as all part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. So this big thing's going on. And in fact, the D.C. mayor commissioned a mural reading Black Lives Matter in permanent yellow paint. So this is going on. So then over the next several weeks, protesters quickly add to that their defund the police message and some other things things onto the mural that they both painted and chalked. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, now you've got this this hodgepodge of things. And then... And this isn't any little tiny thing either. No, no, no. I mean, this it's is huge. big. This is yeah, big. Yeah, you can see it from the air. Yes. And um, those protest messages weren't just there. They were yeah. also chalked in other places on other... D.C. streets and private property. And so basically there's markings all over the place. And um, yet none of those protesters were ever arrested in D.C. around, um, certainly not around chalking. Um, and so so during that same time period when the Fred Frederick Douglass Foundation and Students for Life of America tried to use chalk, everybody just remember, chalk, yeah, not erasable. Um, not yellow paint that was permanent. <laughs> yes, to display a different message. Their message was black preborn lives matter on a public street outside of the D.C. Planned Parenthood facility. The police arrested them. Yeah. You know, I just really appreciate what the court said about this. They said, quote, the government may not play favorites in a public forum, permitting some messages and prohibiting others. And just to give a better glimpse of the double standard that was at play here, I just want to play an excerpt from this Breitbart video because they did a good job kind of juxtaposing this and just encapsulating that viewpoint discrimination that was going on here. So let's just listen to that for a minute. Now, for those of you, again, on audio only, you're going to hear some music because there's just some 
um, scripting on the video visually. And so maybe you can check that out later, but hopefully you still get the idea of what's going on here. There's someone spray painting Black Lives Matter over there. Are you guys going to arrest them or is there any plans not to? you guys just uh, walk through again what you're gonna be doing today? We are simply sidewalk, sidewalk chalking. chalking. This is our constitutional right. We do this every Saturday. Hey folks, I need to tell you now that if you continue talking, you're gonna be placed under arrest for defacing property. I majored in political science. This is public property. Every Saturday, People are here talking. This is government censorship. And arresting them because they are simply putting free blacks, freeborn lives matter. All right, Victoria, in a nutshell, help us understand why this case is important from a nationwide perspective, just with, you know, pro what's going on with the pro-life movement and free speech and all that. All of it is important. I mean, this goes right out of a Supreme Court decision that wasn't a long time ago where, you know, Boston was raising a flag, you remember, and they would raise every kind of flag over their public buildings. But then a Christian flag was offered and they said no. The idea yeah. is we're going to pick and choose who, what messages we like, what messages we don't like. And so this is incredibly important. And it, it's not over yet. These, these battles continue. And, of course, we expect that the D.C., um, you know, that the government is going to appeal it. So we're probably going to end up, I would think, this is going to end up heading to the Supreme Court. So it's not, it's not done. But, but we need to continue to fight that our kinds of messages stand on equal ground with leftist messages that the government is more comfortable with. Yeah. Can't have winners and losers. No, and, you can't pick winners yeah. and losers. You have to be a neutral position as the government on on all political issues, religious issues, you are to be yeah, a fair arbiter. Right. All right. Well, just a few days after that case, we had another crucial win with pro-life issues. And this one involved chemical abortions. Bring us up to speed on that. Yeah. So this is the decision we've been anxiously awaiting for a lot of pro-life groups. And we mentioned, you know, we talked about this on this podcast here before, but um, just for Americans who care deeply about the life issues. So let me just remind people, this is about chemical abortions. And why is that important? Because chemical abortions account for, basically, we're thinking at this point, more than half of all abortions. So this is a major contributor to the taking of unborn lives um, nationwide. And it's primarily done through this drug, mifepristone. And that's what this decision gets to. So just to boil it down, the good news is that the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that some of the key safety standards, regulations, limits that were put around this pill when it was FDA approved should remain, should stand, that they did, in fact, risk women's lives because they th there weren't enough testing done. There wasn't enough um, to change around the regulations. Yeah, data, yeah. Yes, there was just not enough uh, science behind the changes that were made during the Biden administration. And so um, the big thing is the court said, yes, it should stop all mail-ordered chemical abortions because, you know, these things are flying through the mail um, pretty much almost without any doctor, you know, mm -hmm. it's just people can readily obtain them and they're not being used correctly. And so that was a big news. Now, I do have to say there is a bad news part of this, um, which is just simply that the, the, the court um, did allow the drug to stay in the marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. So the original, you know, uh, first decision around this made by Kazmierich back 
originally was this drug really should be pulled off the market. The drug, uh, the judge out of Texas. The judge out of yeah, Texas. The original, you know, these cases start and they yeah. kind of move up. And so it's a little bit of a bummer that they still think it should be on the marketplace um, in it at all. But yeah. but it did restore the restrictions, which I think is good. Well, well let's, um, let's just camp out a minute there because I want people to appreciate in the culture where we are at today, that is actually a pretty significant decision. It's a big That win. we're going to stop almost all mail order abortions and, and telehealth to prescribe this drug. I mean, that's a pretty big it's deal, It's a right? very significant win considering where things are going. And, and, you know, women are falsely believing they can take a pill, take a human life and not be absolutely either physically harmed or emotionally harmed. This is, this is a traumatic thing. And we are acting like it's like taking an Advil and that can't remain. And I think this court understood that, um, you know, they talked about that, it, you know, that, that, that there was a difference between using it at 10 weeks versus using it at seven weeks. Mm -hmm. So they restored that. Um, so these are talking about, we, we got to actually have doctor visits around mm -hmm. this. These are kind of basic things, but yet they had been lost in the era of um, sort of COVID was sort of the excuse yeah. of some of these weakening, but magically COVID's over, but the, the weakening standards were attempting to stay. And so it's really good that at least the court kind of said, no, science needs to be behind this, and it's not. I, I think one other thing we can mention real quick that you pointed out previously that is important and getting overlooked in the media is that they are now required, according to this court, to this court ruling, um, to report complications. Yes. That is getting overlooked. I mean, everywhere else in medicine, we do this. This is very standard practice. You know, you have a surgery, they outline your complications, and guess what? If you have one, it gets logged. Why? So the next time they can say, three out of 10, have this happen. We need that information, but somehow abortion gets pulled out as something unique and above what needs to happen in any other realm where we, you know, where we're giving yeah. out medicine or we're doing surgery. So people should be encouraged by that, but it does get a little confusing because people are hearing that it's this decision isn't immediately going into effect. Can you help us understand why that's the yeah, case? Yes, so we do need to explain this. That um, you know this case arose out of a lower court and it's gone through. It's now you know it's now at the Fifth Circuit, the Court of Appeals, but it is going to be appealed, and the Supreme mm -hmm. Court had put a stay on it. So basically, what it means is we got to see what happens as it moves to the next mm -hmm. phase. If it if it does in fact you know go in front of the Supreme Court, that's when they would either affirm or reject this concept. But the point is that they affirmed it. And that is very, very important because I think the Supreme Court is looking at a case that's already favorable in our direction. And, you know, that's how we want them to view it if they get mm -hmm. this this case in front of them. Yeah. And so the Biden administration has already said they're, they're on going the defense. To appeal it. They're on <laughs> yeah, the defense. Right, and that's so. how we want them. And yes, they're going to appeal it. Of course, yeah. they're going to appeal it for all of the um, pro-choice organizations in the country that are making all their money off of harming women. They, you know, they're going to keep pushing this thing forward. Um, but I think we're at least in a good posture to move yeah. forward. Well, do you feel optimistic with whatever the Supreme Court does with it and the chances of this, uh, these regulations staying in place? I think anybody's crazy to predict what the Supreme Court will ever do, but I certainly think we are in a much better place with the Supreme Court than we were, you know, six years ago. If this had, you know, made its way to the previous court, we would have had a real problem because I think there were people, um, even a majority on the Supreme Court, that may not have really been able to set aside you know, pro-choice feelings to make the right case on the law. And we now have originalists. What's the law say? What does it require? Mm -hmm. What? Um, and they're not going to just go, oh, we love abortion and therefore. And mm -hmm. so um, that's the important part. We want our judges to look at this, look at the science. And and we think the case stands on its mm -hmm. merits. And I think the, the Supreme Court's ready to look at it. All right. Well, here's the final question that I'm going to wrap up the show. But I, I can't resist just asking you this and picking your brain a little bit. Um, just give us a broader perspective. So you've got these court rulings that are encouraging 
coming after the letdown from Ohio and them addressing, we're, we're seeing that, that this issue on the ballot is not doing so great. But then you have these court victories. Just give us your 30,000-foot perspective on where we're at with that right now. Yeah, I mean, America is so divided over this issue. We have still so much work to do on hearts and minds. And so you do see that play out sometimes at the ballot box. Ohio was a weird situation just because the question they were ask, actually asking the voters was, would you limit your own power to change the Constitution? That was mm. actually – it was not literally a question on the ballot that said, are you – you know, do you want abortion restrictions or not? People mostly knew what it meant. So we may see the same thing when they vote on that kind of a question in the future. But it was a, a tricky thing there. But we did, we have seen losses around the country mm -hmm. on the ballot. And so we know there's work to be done to help people understand this is human life, to help people be able to understand why we want to protect it. Um, but it is good to see some, some the court not just sort of bowing to political pressure, which I think mm -hmm. we have seen in the past. Actually looking at yes, the Constitution. looking at the Constitution, looking at the yeah. law and saying, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we have the right to life. Yeah. Um, we think that's pretty important and should should be you know right, reviewed so. every time an abortion case comes up we will thank the lord and count our blessings for that and keep praying um as we close the show out today i want to remind everyone to subscribe to our speak up virginia playlist on youtube and if you're listening on uh, apple or spotify or, or those uh, audio programs don't forget to give us a five-star review if you like what you hear because that helps us get the word out to more people and we'll see you next time remember we are stronger when we speak together <laughs>